Specialty Story, session number 134. Whether you are a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you'll want to practice. This podcast will tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Welcome to Specialty Stories. Thank you so much for being here today to have a little Florida reunion. Together with myself, a Florida grad, I'm going to talk to Dr. Kelly Komatz, who is at the University of Florida in Jacksonville. And she is the director of the Hospice and Palliative Medicine Fellowship Program in Jacksonville. I have a great discussion with Dr. Komatz about hospice and palliative medicine and what it is like, and especially for students interested in it, what she looks for in applicants as a program director. We start the conversation by how Dr. Komatz first became interested in hospice and palliative medicine. So actually my pediatrics came back in medical school. So I graduated over 30 years ago now from medical school. Um, And I did a pediatric residency and During my pediatric residency, I became very interested in the neonatal intensive care unit. And so I actually spent an extra year of training in the inpatient, you know, neonatal intensive care unit. And I found out that I really missed the outpatient world and caring for these children who had what we would now call medical complexities. And so I left that training and came back out into the community and started being the pediatrician who was not afraid of caring for such children. Um, The field of pediatric palliative medicine is I wouldn't necessarily say it's in its infancy. It might be more in its toddler years now, (laughs) but it's only really been around for uh, 10 years or so. And um, so I happen to be one of the original pediatricians that was um, allowed to be, I like to say, grandmothered in per my experience and take the board examination in order to receive the uh, secondary board certification in pediatric hospice and palliative medicine. Wow. What traits do you think lead to a physician being a good hospice and palliative care uh, physician, a pediatric physician? I think the most important trait is to recognize that it will take time for the families to get to their ultimate decision. And so patience of knowing that it's the families move at a different pace than we do. Um, We as physicians can sort of see the writing on the wall, if you will. But the families are not there yet. And so it takes multiples of conversations 
in small bits and pieces over the course of time to help that family reach a decision regarding their goals of care for their child. Um, So essentially you have to be comfortable with uncertainty and most physicians don't necessarily go into the practice of medicine with that as an overwhelming trait because usually we're able to do things and do, you know, fix things or heal. And so it's a little bit different than your more typical uh, pediatric practice. Yeah. What are some of the biggest myths or misconceptions around the, the specialty? First off, it's not hospice. So hospice is a very small piece of what a palliative care physician does. So hospice is really caring for that patient and the family at their end of life. Um, So palliative is working with the children and the families who have underlying chronic conditions that will likely result in their death during their childhood years, but it doesn't mean that they're dying right then. Uh, It is also not a depressing field of practice. I find it to be very rewarding in working with these families and developing these relationships that really foster um, trust, you know, trust that the physician is helping that family, um, you know, trust amongst our colleagues that we're the ones having those discussions that they might not be the um, best person to have those discussions. And so calling in a palliative care team to help those families. Um, so again, it's not, in, it's not only end of life and it is also not depressing. Yeah. What is a, a typical patient population that you're seeing? What are they like? What, what diseases do they have? Pathologies do they have? Is there are, are there any kind of uh, common things that are that patients are having that that you're seeing them for? So medicine has become very technologically dependent, if you will. So we see the first set of children are those that are coming out of the neonatal intensive care units or the pediatric intensive care units who are dependent upon medical technology. These are children who are living at home on ventilators, uh, who are on oxygen, who have nutrition via gastrostomy tubes. So these are children who back in the day might have died and or were remaining in an institution because of their technology dependence for their life. Uh, So we see those types of patients and that can come from patients that have rare congenital anomalies, conditions, children who might have already been out in the community and were healthy and then sustained an untoward event, you know, like motor vehicle accidents, um, things along those lines that render their life um, different. Uh, It's a 
Nomer to think that all of our children only have cancer because that's a very small piece of the children who we care for. Um, a lot can be done for most of the leukemias in that. So that's really not the the mainstay of, of a palliative uh, care practice or consult service. What does a typical day look like for you? So going back to what is one of the traits, your trait has to be uh, able to go with the flow. Mm -hmm. um, but typically, if you're doing uh, palliative care, so for myself, I do inpatient palliative care consults. So I will be in the hospital, say, half a day uh, attending morning rounds in the intensive care units. Um, receiving new consults, and then seeing patients in our medically complex clinic on the other half. Uh, so these are patients that we've already been caring for over the last few years and or new patients that are being discharged out of the hospital who need a good um, plan of care, a good you know, overall pediatric care to help them navigate the system of our medical care here in the States and all the different specialists. So my, my practice is a little bit inpatient and then a little bit of outpatient as well. What does the training path look like to become a palliative care specialist in pediatrics? I know you, you mentioned that you were grandmothered in uh, based on your experience before the, the, before the training was more finalized, but what does it look like now? So now for the, there is a fellowship, but what one needs to do is complete a residency program first. So most are either completing a general pediatric residency program and then you can apply to a year-long fellowship specifically for hospice and palliative medicine. If you're more interested as a pediatric, there are not as many facilities around the country that offer the pediatric training, but they are uh, expanding every year. A lot of uh, the trainees will also have a second specialty. So we're, we are seeing people who, like myself, might have done, you know, neonatal fellowship training, emergency medicine, intensive care medicine, hemonc. Um, and so people are looking to blend their pediatric subspecialty training with the added extra year of providing what is a palliative care overlay onto their daily practices or able to split their time similar, you know, maybe being a hemonc doc half the time and then doing palliative care the other. But it is, you do have to have your initial training and be board certified in a um, general medicine specialty before you are able to go into the one-year fellowship. Okay. How competitive are those fellowship spots? Um, yes, I guess it 
varies right now. I think um, in pediatrics, we're pretty much meeting the need of those that want to practice and come into a fellowship. So I wouldn't say necessarily it's competitive as much as where you want to practice. So a lot of sites might only have one slot, you know, one opening or two openings. Um, So it's competitive on, you know, in that way. But our pediatric palliative community is small. And as program directors, fellowship directors, we usually help the trainees that want to come into a, a fellowship to find a spot if there if there's one available. Yeah. Okay. For the future general pediatrician or or maybe subspecialist pediatrician uh, as well, what do you wish they knew about palliative medicine to to better help you do your job and to better help the patients? So the The fact is that the majority of us in medicine are trained to do something. You know, it's very difficult as a provider to look at a patient and their family and say, there isn't anything more we can do. And on the one hand, that statement sounds like, oh, there's nothing more we can do. We're just going to stop everything. But in palliative medicine, that's where we can do a lot. So there might not be disease, um, you know, their medical condition, their disease, their cancer. There's nothing more that we can do to change the outcome. You know, that that condition is going to progress along its path. But a palliative care team with the physicians and social workers and nurses can wrap themselves around the family and we can do a whole lot for that family um, in helping them with their experiences and ensuring that their answers, you know, are to what they need to hear. Um, that their decisions that they make are are okay. It's okay to say no to a surgery. It's okay to say no. It's time for us to go home. Um, and so I think oftentimes it's very difficult when we're looking at children to be able to say enough's enough and let's get the child home and keep them comfortable at home and stop having them readmitted to the hospital. Let's stop offering all these surgeries. Um, and so that's, I wish that more physicians would be able to say enough's enough. Let's regroup on this and look at the total picture and ask the palliative care team to come in and be a key, you know, a key player with this, with this patient and family. What other specialties do you work the closest with? All the intensivists, so cardiovascular intensive care unit, pediatric intensive care, neonatal intensive care, uh, neurology is the next big one, and neurosurgery, uh, and then hemonc, 
So the children tend to be um, accessing those pediatric subspecialty physicians on a regular basis. And then down the road, we also intersect a lot with orthopedics because families are contemplating whether or not they should have certain surgeries and we'll work closely with those physicians um, about whether, again, should we just because we can, what does that really mean? And, you know, trying to make the best decision with the family so that they can hear all of their options, especially what the option would look like if they chose not to do a certain surgery. Yeah. Are there any special opportunities outside of clinical medicine for palliative care specialists? Advocacy. Um, so working with insurance companies to help them understand the worth of re you know being able to bill and be reimbursed for your services <laughs> um you know it it is still like i said a toddler type of um of specialty but you know the children need to have these services out of the hospital and so you know even inpatient consult services struggle to um, meet the bottom line. But then when you're trying to help these families transition out of the hospital and back into their community, there's a paucity of um, availability and a lot of it comes down to, to reimbursements. So, um, so yes, you're taking care of that, you know, the family and the child, but also trying to help, um, insurance companies understand the, the worth of what your specialty is able to bring to these to these children and families. It sounds like a, uh, a, a, a never-ending struggle with the insurance companies. Yeah, I'm sure it's a daily thing that you hear about. Yeah, unfortunately. Yes. Um, what do you know now that you wish you knew before going into palliative medicine or, or maybe what would you go back and tell yourself as you started on this journey? So actually from, for myself, um, my path, it was different. It wasn't the more traditional path that's available now. And honestly, I didn't realize that my, philosophy and the way I was practicing medicine with these children had this name of palliative medicine. So it wasn't until the grassroots here in the States started growing and I was attending meetings. I was like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Um, and I feel, I feel very happy with my job. I I tell students that I feel like the old country doctor of days gone by because we are one of the rarities of being able to follow these patients and families over a very long period of time if we're fortunate enough. And so we end up becoming sort of part of their family in that way. Um, and, you know, just like in a small town, doctor 
I tend to know a lot about everybody. And, and that really does help to take care of these kind of patients over the course of time that um, you're able to journey with them. Um, I think it's a very important, um, I, I would encourage, I should say, I would encourage medical students or residents to look into getting some experience through electives that are available throughout the country, even if they don't feel they're going to practice that field, but if they're going into one of the specialties like the you know neonatal intensive care emergency medicine pediatric intensive care that it's important for them to get uh, exposure to what palliative medicine is so that then they don't they have a real life experience of what it is and then might be more willing to call upon those specialists as they might need them um and also to see these patients outside of the hospital and functioning, you know, not when they're sick inside one of the hospital rooms, but to be able to experience the family and the child outside mm. the acute care setting. Yeah. It gives you so much of a different perspective. Yes. What do you like the most about being a palliative care specialist? I just love listening to the parents' stories. I just like, so right now I'm training in narrative medicine as well, which kind of is a hand in glove in my opinion. So, you know, just being able to stay present with these families as they're making these difficult decisions, you know, no one ends up being a parent thinking that this is where they're going to be. And so having someone available to kind of bounce ideas off of or to hear from someone who's had multiple years of experiences that can help guide, you know, guide their decisions. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's the family's decision. We can't force them one way or the other, but if you feel that you gave them their options and they understood and that they're making the best decision for them and their child, then we just support them in that. And, you know, there isn't another field of medicine that really delves into that, the depth and the breadth of everything. So the psychosocial, the spiritual, what else is going on at home? You know, are there siblings? I mean, we really look at the total family and not just the patient at this point in time, yeah. but where they come from and where they might be going. Awesome. What do you like the least? <laughs> the hours, but that's <laughs> fine. I mean, but that's me. That's yeah. me. I mean, um, you know, I do have other physicians that I work, you know, work with and, um, you know, I always look at the, you know, if, if it was your loved one, if it was your family, you would want that person that you trusted to be there as you're trying to go through a very difficult situation. And so, you know, if I'm in town and something isn't going well, then the hospital knows they can call me and, you know, I'll be there as quickly as I can to be a support to the family. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not all programs are set, are set up like that, but, 
Um, you know, I think you, each person's, you know, individuality, you know, there's no right or wrong, but in some of these situations where you've been caring for these children and families for so long, you kind of feel drawn like, okay, I need to be there. If nothing else, then to just stand there and the family knows, okay, you were there with them. So. Do you see any major changes coming to the specialty in the future? Well, if it, I would be hopeful that the specialty for pediatrics was better recognized for what it could do for these families and these children. And in order to have that happen, it needs to be looked at as a dollar savings. And so when you have to go out and talk about what you do, you have to say, you know, it's less number of hospitalizations, less number of surgical procedures, and, you know, come at it from the pocketbook for the people who need to pay for it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're also then being able to really help those families to remain out of the hospital and remain in their community and not have their child undergo, for example, yet another procedure if it's not going to change the outcome. So, so I, I feel that as the cost of medicine continues to increase and increase at some point, there might be a little bit of glimmer of, wow, maybe they are able to help us in decreasing the cost of medicine, but then also to increasing the quality of life for these families and these children. Yeah. seems pretty straightforward to me. It's like, pay me $1,000 and you'll save $10,000 on extra surgeries and readmissions and the patient's going to live a better life. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the family's going to live a better life yeah. because, you know, one of the things that one of my soapboxes is the child, the siblings at home, if there are some, right. So, um, just, you know, the stressors of the, of, for the family and their own mental health and their, yeah. um, their cares. Yeah. Yeah. Thousand percent. If you had to do it all over again, would you still be a pediatric palliative medicine specialist? Oh, yes. Yeah. Not, I've, in, you know, my 30, well, however many years, I mean, I was general pediatrics um, in the community with my own private offices and that, but I always took care of these medically fragile, chronic Condition children's. I came in early and saw them. I saw them during lunch. I'd see them after hours. And now I'm fortunate that that's what my practice is built upon. Um, and again, it's not for everybody, but um, yes, I would. I would definitely. I would definitely do it again. Any last words of wisdom for the student listening to this, thinking maybe they were interested in pediatrics, but now you've piqued their interest in palliative medicine? So, you know, I think in P so most medical students that want to go into pediatrics are going into it from the family-centered care. You know, they want to take care of children and recognize that the child is part of a, uh, a larger circle. 
you know, the child's living within their, the home of their family. And, you know, if you are wanting to care for children that are a little more challenging, um, medically have a lot of different conditions, then it would be worthwhile to, again, go and look on the websites for where you could get a couple of weeks experience with a pediatric palliative care service. They're all across the country. I would say, too, even if you're headed to be a cardiologist or an intensivist, it's important to get that experience. Um, It is not sad. Every time we have a student come, they feel that they're going to be sad by the end of the day and they leave going, this is a pretty joyous, you know, it's nice to see these kids and these families at home and how well they're doing. So um, I think until you really come and experience it, it's difficult to understand how rewarding it, it can be. And it's not depressing. All right. So there you have it. Again, Dr. Kelly Komatz, the director of the Hospice and Palliative Medicine Fellowship Program at UF at UF Health in Jacksonville, Florida. Hopefully that was helpful, give you a good inside look into palliative medicine and what that looks like, and especially for you future primary care physicians, potentially how you can help your future patients. I hope this was helpful for you. And if you did enjoy it, I would love for you to share this podcast with a friend family member, a colleague, an advisor, classmates, whoever you think this podcast would be good for. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on Specialty Stories. This is MedEd Media.